0: Good okay. nope. morning. This is Radio Jackie broadcasting to Southwest London on two two seven meters medium this wave. This is
1: Alice's first. Restaurant ninety point four megahertz, and we're here to bring you the very best in rock music. You're in tune with Lou the Duke here on Radio City. If you want to write, anyway, to- welcome to Mar on two six six meters medium wave—the sound of the northwest.
0: It's a Thameside radio on ninety point two megahertz VHF. <laughs>
2: Episode 8 of the Pirates of the Airways podcast, the podcast series where I talk to some of the people who were involved in the land based pirate radio world of the 1970s and 1980s. In this episode, I'm chatting with one of the leading lights from the North West London Rock and Roll Pirate Station, Radio City. But there is far more to Luke the Duke than being a great rock and roll DJ. Not only the person who put DBC on the air for the very first time, also the man who knows the truth about Keith Allen's station, Breakfast Pirate Radio. In his layback style, Luke reveals, if not all, certainly all he can remember from those days. But quickly, let me just say, if you want to be on the podcast, or you want to get in touch with us here at the podcast... All you have to do is email us at piratepod7080 at gmail.com or leave a message or a comment on the land-based pirate radio of the 70s and 80s Facebook group. And don't forget to like, subscribe and tell your friends about us. But enough of all that, time for you to sit back and enjoy the tales of Luke the Duke. Welcome to the Pirates of the Airways podcast with me, Mark Wakeley, and this week we have someone I consider to be a legend in the world of land-based pirate radio, who was involved and helped run one of the most significant stations of the late 70s and early 1980s. I'd like to say a very good afternoon to Luke the Duke from Radio City. Hello, Luke.
0: Hello. Hello, everyone.
2: Great to to speak to you. I'm really pleased that I've managed to get you on the podcast because for me, Radio City was a, a legendary station. Always a great signal. Had a really good reason to be on the air, and um, and you're the name I, I most remember. Although you all had interesting names on City, didn't you? There was um, was there Wild Willie West, and uh, oh, I can't remember them all now.
0: Well, there was a uh, Rocking Chop. He was the founder of the station, right? Then there was um, who was that? Uh, Rocking Chop. There was Superman. There was myself, Luke the Duke, and uh, Wild Willie West, and uh, Toking Ray.
2: All fantastic names. I'm going to go back to my first question that I ask everybody quickly, and that is, when did you first become aware of pirate radio? Not just radio, but pirate radio specifically.
0: Oh, uh, let me see. Well, uh, early 70s, I suppose. Early 70s, listening to Radio Caroline.
2: Okay. It seems to me most people's entry drug was Radio Caroline, from from what I can work out. And then what about land-based pirate radio? When did that sort of become part of your world? Well, when I found Radio City. And you were a listener to start with? Uh, Yeah. Well, I stumbled across it, you know. And how did you get involved? What did you do? Did you write to them or ring them up? Or did you know some of the guys from it? Well, it was all to do with motorbikes, you see. Because I was working
0: on my motorbike outside on the footpath and I had a radio next to me. And I was twiddling the dial, and there it was, Radio City, come on. And uh, they were giving a mailing address, which was just up the road from me. And I thought, this is interesting. It'll say they played music I like, you know, 50s rock and roll. I thought, hmm, this is interesting, you know. And uh, anyway, I started asking about, and uh, it was sort of people, There were sort of the people running radios were sort of friends of friends. So uh, I quickly, you know, sort of got in touch with them because I was interested in electronics as well, so it fascinated me, you know, what they were doing. And, uh, yeah, so, yeah, I, you know, I, I met them, and uh, they said, well, come out one Sunday. And, um, oh, yeah, then I said, oh, have you got the transmitter? Can I see it? You know, expecting to um, be wheeled out on a massive sort of sack trolley or something. And they pulled out this box sort of a, a foot square, and I thought, "Is this it?" You know, I was amazed. You know,
2: it's the same reaction I had the first time I saw a transmitter. I expected this sort of dome-looking object that was like that radiated things out of the top. And then when they said to me, "This is the transmitter," and it was literally a pile of compo- components on a workbench, and I thought, "Really, that's a transmitter?" And similar shock to you, really. Um, but I came from pirate radio, not knowing anything about radio at all, and I wasn't an electronics person either. So. You get involved in Radio City. Were you doing programs right from when you first got involved? Oh, no,
0: no, no, no. First of all, uh, you know, I said, well, can I come on Sunday when you transmit? I want to see, you know, how you do it. And uh, so I went there. It was at at the back of this uh, Choppy's flat, you see, in North London. And you had like this sort of um, little stream or whatever you call it going at the back. And then there was a big public park at the back. But the, it was like an L shaped park. So the bit where the transmitter was, no one really went down that way, you see. So anyway, I looked up and uh, the aerial was there. It was going up from the transmitter up to the top of a the tree, then right across the field to another tree. So it was like a massive L, perfect sort of setup. And that was it. They just got a load of car batteries and fired it up. And uh, then I said, Well, I'd like to help. And. Uh, they said, well, you can do the phones if you like. So, yeah, I started answering the phones from my flat, uh, taking in uh, requests for the next week's show, you see. They gave out my phone number.
2: So this is how you first got involved in it. So were they running on, on tape at that point, or were they broadcasting live and then straight into the transmitter? How was that working?
0: No, 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 no. It was always on tape. Yeah. Well, they did a couple of live broadcasts, but, uh, you know, it was, it was usually tape, yeah.
2: Okay. And how long have they, have they been on the air, do you know, when you got in contact with them? I don't know. I don't think long. I don't think it was
0: that long. Maybe, you know, a couple of months or something. I, I think I caught it there at the beginning, more, more, more or less, put it that way, you know.
2: And for people who don't know about Radio City, what were you on, 238? Were you 238?
0: Two, uh, yeah, 238, I think, yeah.
2: Um, And people who don't know about Radio City in London, what was their unique thing? Because I know what it was, but many people might not know it all about What Radio City was all about.
0: Uh, Well, Radio City was uh, a 1950s rock and roll station. All they played was 1950s rock and roll. You know, they gave out uh, uh, you know where to buy 50s records, 50s clothes, and um, and also gave out a gig list during the week. Because at the time, 1950s was very big. You see, it was there's a massive sort of underground scene sort of in the late 70s
2: yeah i mean i remember it was the time i was leaving school and and i remember there was quite a big rock and roll revival around that time
0: that's right yeah yeah although they weren't they weren't really appealing to the revivalists there were people you know the teddy boys and the rockers that were always into it the
2: revivalists
0: sort of came on top
2: so so the station really wasn't just about the music it was about the entire culture of that sort of 1950s rock and roll world
0: Exactly, yes, yes, yes Which, uh, which everyone was into at the time i I say, they weren't revivalists they, they, they were always there And it was like an amazing setup I mean, you'd go there on the Sunday While they were transmitting And there'd be all these people at choppy's backyard With their motorbikes, you know Revving their bikes and, you know Repairing them And there was this transmitter in full view Just across the stream there You know, sort of 50 yards away Anyone could have just come in and stumbled on it. You know, it was sort of, it was very, very much a sort of. How can I say? a very, very. It was laid back to the nth degree.
2: <laughs> it, it sounds like it was. Now, I've heard a rumour that certainly all the time you were involved in Radio City, they never got raided. Is that right?
0: No, uh, no, not when I was involved. No, but they got raided before. So pre. Luke, you obviously their lucky talisman. I don't know about that. Because, <laughs> you see, then uh, what happened was when, when I started uh, getting involved with Radio City, I took a diagram of their transmitter on a bit of paper, just a scrap bit of paper. And I thought, I'll make one of these. So I made one, you see. And uh, it got all the gear. It was easy to get the gear in those days because there was all these abandoned valve radios on every corner, more or less. So you got the 3 umver the old transformer, the tuning gangs. It was all there, you know, next to the rubbish bins. So, <laughs> so you no, know, I, I built one, and uh, Radio City put me in touch with this guy. I think it was from Radio Floss. I'm not sure. I, I think it was who uh, who uh, put me in touch with where to get a crystal. You see, so I had this transmitter and the crystal. It was ready to go. And anyway, this this guy up the road said, why, why don't we start a radio station, a punk station? Uh, and we call it Edge City. So we did, from his backyard as well.
2: I remember hearing Edge City just about, two, three, five they were on, weren't they, if I remember rightly?
0: Yeah, yeah, next to Radio City, yeah.
2: At the time, or just, just after, I think it must have been just after that time, I started my own punk station, Radio Com, set on 217. Uh, we were broadcasting from right over in East London. You probably couldn't hear it very well. We weren't very good technically, but we, we tried our best and it got better as time went on as well. But we started on extremely low power and built it up slowly over the sort of three and a half years that we were on. It's not a station that a lot of people would have stopped at if they tuned through the dial, to be brutally honest.
0: The name Edge City was nothing to do with Radio City. It was purely coincidental that the uh, guy whose house we were doing it from, Edge City, that is, he chose the name. Yeah, a lot of people thought, you know, because it was on the edge of Radio City, it was called Edge City, but it wasn't. It was just, he d- he decided. I think there was a record, a punk record called Edge City or something. I, d- I don't know.
2: Yeah, well, I know certainly that that was what I thought, it, why it was called Edge City, because it was a, 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 a it had come off of C- uh, Radio City, and I thought, oh, that's why they've done that. <laughs>
0: no 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 but anyway that that was going all right but he did it for this um ago he did it from uh, west Hampstead, and uh, just from his backyard you know he had the transmitter in the conservatory and the wire going up to a tree and then up to the chimney on the roof you know you know literally in his backyard did he get
2: busted at all do you know
0: uh well he did get busted but not because of he got busted accidentally
2: that seems to be a theme along a lot of stations that they accidentally got caught for some reason or another. What happened then? Do you know?
0: Well, the police um, they came to for other matters to his house and they stumbled across this transmitter at the back. Well, they said to him, what's all this? And he said, oh, it's a transmitter, which I don't know. I, I wouldn't have said that myself. But anyway, he did. So anyway, they took him in for other matters and uh, they took the transmitter with him and they... Um, and then they called the post office to verify what it was. And, um, well, he admitted it, doing it. And uh, that was it. On his own confession, they took him to court for it.
2: That's not the first time I've heard that story as well. I did an interview the other day with someone who uh, who got um, caught doing a tape change on a site. And they said to him, have you done this before? Is this the first time you've ever switched this on? And he said, no, no, we did some test transmissions. And when it went to court, they pulled that one up as well. And he got done for two occasions because he had admitted the first one, which they weren't even there for. So obviously, if you admit it, that's that, isn't it?
0: But anyway, the reason I mentioned that, because you asked me about the raids on uh, Radio City. So while we were doing Edge City one Sunday, then we got a call from Radio City uh, telling us they'd been raided, you see. And to be careful, they're probably coming for us next. Because we weren't that far away from uh, the Radio City site, uh, so so yeah, that was the first raid, uh, the only raid of Radio City. Uh, that, but they didn't come to Edge City anyway. Then I left uh, Edge City and left him to it. Uh, but then he got raided, as I say. And uh, but when he got raided, I'd I'd long left Radio City by that time, uh, Edge City by that time, and joined raid. No, what happened was, you see, I was being evicted from my bedsit, and. Uh, and one of the guys from Radio City, um, Jock, he said a flat's available downstairs if you want to ring the landlady. So I ended up getting this flat, which, which the Radio City studio was on top of. So uh, by a strange coincidence, I was there on the front line. So I couldn't sort of not get involved by at this stage, you know.
2: Okay. And looking at the music side of it... <clears throat> When you were on Egg City Radio, were you playing rock and roll on that as well, or were you not on the air at all for that? Was it just technical help?
0: Uh, no, I was on the air, but I was playing like a mixture of music at the time 60s, a bit of punk, a bit of this, a bit of that, you know?
2: Knowing the, the times that it was in, a, a, a radio programme that's playing rock and roll and punk would have been a very strange mix. I would have thought so, anyway, certainly at that time.
0: It, well, yeah, well, there was the, um, uh, the uh, Teddy Boys and Punk Wars going on at the time. Kings Road.
2: Yes, yes. I mean, I remember all that sort of from my youth.
0: Yeah. So anyway, there when then I went to Radio City. And then uh, when I was there, because I was living downstairs, I could sort of, um, you know, fiddle about with their transmitter. So, you know, I, I tweaked it up a bit and got a bit more out of it. And um, we used the same transmitter for about the next three years or something.
2: Th- that was the thing for me. I, I As you may or may not know, I lived over in northeast London on the Essex borders, as people who listen to this regularly will know. And Radio City boomed in every Sunday, really massive signal, without a doubt the strongest medium-wave station out of all of them. Um, and there were nearer stations that were not as good as, as Radio City. And inter- you had a very bassy mod, if I remember rightly as well. The mod was quite bassy.
0: Yeah, well, I found this this guy on Edgware Road, and um, I don't know how, but uh- – Maybe someone recommended it. I, I don't know, but anyway, I ended up buying these massive chokes off this guy, and they were like, you know, eight inches by eight inches. So I put that on the uh, on the mod stage, and that boosted it at no
2: end as well. I, I think it was. I think it was a good signal, but I think the mod was fantastic, and I think that's probably what made it come over so um, so strong at the time. And, and like I say, I remember it as being probably the strongest of the medium pirates during that period that that I was r- listening.
0: Yeah, and also it was valve uh, mod stage as well. So that gave it a bit of a sort of, you know, 50s, 50s style as well, you know. so
2: Yeah, I think my mod, the mod stage on my one rule transistors, which made it probably a little bit on the tinny side, I'd imagine.
0: Yeah, although we went through a car battery an hour, you know.
2: Yeah, but it sounded like you were going through a car battery an hour when you were listening to it, to be honest.
0: <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> but that, but they left us
2: alone, you know, amazing. I can only assume that Maybe maybe they maybe they turned up and saw a load of bikers in the garden and thought maybe this is not a good idea.
0: <laughs> oh well well we weren't always in the garden. I mean, you know, we were there rains, hail, snow, everything, you know. And uh I don't know, maybe they liked the music.
2: I'd like to think that's the case. We not we'll leave City alone because I quite like the rock and roll.
0: <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. So anyway, yeah, no, went uh, We know, we had quite a good following. Uh
2: yeah, that, that, was, that was my next question, to be honest. What sort of feedback did you get and what do you think the audience was? Do you think it was a good audience?
0: Oh, yeah, it was definitely a good audience, yeah. Uh, well, we stopped the uh, phones by this time. Uh, we, we just uh, had a mailing address where people would write in and say hello and leave requests for next week. Uh, yeah, I suppose there was always about 50 letters a week or so.
2: I, I think for a media station, that's fantastic.
0: Yeah, I suppose it was. Yeah, all the, a lot of it was the same people writing in as well. So yeah, yeah, no, it had a, a good following. Well, it was the only station of that type, you see. So if if you're into rock and roll, you had no choice.
1: The Meteors with the Attack of the Zorchmen. Special out for Meteor Steve down the Abbey Housing Estate. How you doing, Steve? All right. You're in tune with Lou the Duke here on Radio City. If you want to write in, it's Radio City, Kirov, 68, Golders Terrace, London, Northwest 6. If you've tuned in for the first time, we're on this frequency every Sunday, bringing you rock and roll, rockabilly and similar type stuff. got a letter here from Belle with three kisses on the bottom and a small lip print. You've got small lips there, Belle? Anyway, the letter goes like this. It says here, uh, dear Lou the Duke, could you please play That's Right by the five keys for uh, Maggie, Josie, Jessica, uh, Harriet, Yvette, Janice, Janice, whom I haven't seen for ages, Camilla, who's in Sweden, Bones, Rick and Big Mac, Danny, Paul and Petros, Anna, who will hopefully be having a party, and uh, happy birthday to Alex. Thanks to uh, Neil, who tried to cheer me up at the White Hart last week. Well, I hope you succeeded. And love to everyone else who's lucky enough to know me from Bell with a... On the bottom there, sorry, I haven't got the five keys ones yet. I should be getting it any day now. But in the meantime,
2: have a listen to this. Nappy Brown. Thinking about it now, I can't think of another outlet for that kind of music at that time because there were so few stations anyway, as far as the legit stations. You know, if you weren't doing it, no one was doing it. Um, literally, there was no one out there playing that kind of music at all. And it obviously tapped into an audience and a market. That was really necessary.
0: Yeah, yeah. Also, it was, uh, you know, people that uh, that weren't into the, you know, the scene as such, you know, they'd twiddle the dial and, you know, they'd find it and they'd write in as well. they say, oh, we stumbled across your station and, you know.
2: And what's what, what sort of distance, you know, what's the furthest out that you got a letter from? Can you remember? Uh, Holland. You got a letter from Holland.
0: Uh, yeah, only the once. Uh,
2: yeah, I think the furthest out for us was Cambridge. We got a letter from Cambridge, but we were sort of that side of London anyway. And there's not a lot, not a lot between Woodford Green and Cambridge in the way of um, Hills.
0: Yeah, although people may have be been listening, but they didn't write in, you know.
2: I think we got a letter from uh,
0: up north one night, one day as well. But they were sort of... These were freak things, really. I wouldn't say we got there every week.
2: No, I think wave had this way of all of a sudden it would seem to push you in a direction and you get reports from miles and miles and miles away. And people who are one mile in the other direction can't hear you. It's all very weird. I've always found wave very strange indeed. So um, so as far as other stations that you were helping, so Edge City Radio was obviously the first one that you got involved with and helped. Were there other stations that you were helping out well with, with transmitters or? uh Uh, Yes, yes. Uh, Well, one day, uh, well, no, we got some uh, badges
0: made. There was this firm called, well, firm, it was sort of, you know, a ramshackle sort of effort in Portobello road called Better Badgers.
2: Oh yes. We all know Better Badgers.
0: Do you know it? Oh, okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, uh, we went there to get some, um, some badges made for Radio City and, uh, he said, Oh, well, I could do with a transmitter. I want to start a punk station myself. By this time, Edge said he had long gone. I said, Yeah, yeah, all right, okay. So uh, I built him a transmitter and uh, gave it to him. I heard no more about it. I, as far as I know, I, I don't think he made any broadcasts or anything. Uh, anyway, I was there. And then I'd, I'd, I was after a while, a year or so later, or I got a phone call from this guy called uh, Lepke. And he said, Look, I've got this transmitter from Jolly. Jolly was the guy from Better Badgers. He said, I want to uh, start up a black music station, which was to come be- to become DBC. Although it wasn't called that at first. It was called Rebel Radio. Oh, wow, wow.
2: Strictly. Oh. Strictly. oh, yeah. Strictly. 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 Wow, wow. Strictly. I know I like who think they put me nothing or think. Say DBC, don't stop carrying the swing, 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 swing.
0: Yeah, so anyway, he said, uh, I don't know what to do with this transmitter or anything, you know, can you give us a hand? So I went over and um, showed him how to use it and set it up for him in his backyard, but um, he just didn't have a good sight for the aerial, you see, which just wasn't high enough. And, uh, you know, he had the transmitter in the back garden going up to a, a tree, which, is, which was only about four foot tall, and then uh, and then up to his roof. Which, in theory, I suppose, wasn't too bad, but it just wasn't high enough. But anyway, no, I got it going for him, and he made a few transmissions. Actually, it did get out, but it was a bit directional.
2: Yeah. Was that down at near Portobello Road, down N- Notting Hill Way, or was he...
0: No, no, from uh, Neasden area.
2: Oh, right. Okay. So he was quite far north then, yeah.
0: Yeah, sort of Neasden. Uh, well, not quite. Uh, near the north circle in Neasden, where where the Ace Cav is now. So anyway, well, I suppose he must have got out, because he got raided endlessly. So he must have got out a reasonable distance. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he was getting raided constantly. Yes, yeah. So, yeah, so he was doing it from there. And then he asked me to build him a more powerful transmitter... Uh, which I did. But uh, I said to him, I said, you know, it may not work. It's, you need the aerial. It's not the power you want. It's the aerial. So anyway, I, I did that. And he, he continued to go out. But he, as I say, he got raided. He went through about three transmitters, I think. So yes, yeah, so I must have got out from his back garden. although people near Portobello were complaining they couldn't get it. So, But it must have been getting out for him to get raided, you know.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I don't know what the authorities... Were worried about with such a station, but they did. It seemed to me that rating was quite. How can I put it? Political in the context. If you were a certain type of station, they would they would go after you quite a lot. Anything political or anything slightly iffy. Um, again,
0: well, yeah, DBC. Well, it was called Rebel Radio at first, and then it was called um, the Dread, DBC, the Dread Broadcast Corporation they weren't really that they were political in a sense that they were a black music station but as far as i recall they they didn't give out any political statements or anything it was just their music i think their music was considered subversive
2: i think that could also be be an issue and and i also think around that time there was there was a lot of um political stuff about the sus laws and there'd been trouble at the notting hill carnival and so on and so forth and i think maybe that was part of what was what was going on and maybe it made the authorities edgy. I don't know. Like I say, I don't know what the policy was uh, at the – I suppose it would have been DTI or post office at the time. But I don't know what their policy was. But it's strange that Radio City never got touched and DBC had a lot of hassle.
0: Well, you would have thought 50s rock and roll would be class of subversive, wouldn't it?
2: Maybe it is. (laughs) You rebels, you.
0: (laughs) So, yeah, so I'll help them out, Yeah.
2: Okay. So you'd be the first guy to build transmitters for DBC, which I think is probably something you should be extremely proud of, to be honest, um, because obviously they went on to be, although they never became a, they, they didn't broadcast a massive amount. They certainly became quite a, a cultural icon uh, in the pirate radio world. And they still sell t-shirts for DBC down at Portobello Road to this day.
0: Well, when they moved on FM, they were a lot bigger once they moved to FM, then uh yeah, it was they had a massive a bigger following then. But again, they got raided constantly there as well.
2: Yeah, I, I, I think I know the guys who who built the transmitters f- for, for DBC when they were on FM. And I know that they did get a lot of aggravation uh, from the authorities then as well. Um but you know, all credit to, to Lepke, God rest his soul, and the others, they kept going and, and that's what it's all about in the end, isn't it? Um
0: yeah, no, no, they were marvellous. Well, um, they played, I mean, people think of DBC as reggae, but it wasn't only reggae. They had African music there, uh, rhythm and blues, um, all sorts of black music was, was covered there.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've read quite a bit about them. And and like you say, you know, they had a lot of soca music and different versions, you know, different, um not versions, that's the wrong word, different genres in, in black music generally. and uh, And you did programmes for them as well, didn't you?
0: That's right I used to do like a um uh, a 40s and 50s R&B slot which was like the uh how can I say the um before there was rock and roll there was black R&B
2: so was this like John Lee Hooker and people like that the, the old blues guitarists
0: well a bit of that yes as well but it was more sort of how can I say the swingy sort of stuff the dancing you know which uh, a lot of rock and roll was based upon you see okay so sort of pre
2: bill Haley type things Th- that's it yes yeah 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 oh wow that that's i wish i wish i've heard that program now yeah yeah so so yeah so there was a lot of that as well
0: i played that yes it was uh, i forget what it was called r&b i suppose rhythm and blues you know
2: so going back to radio city which is how i uh, knew of you um what happened in the end with that i did it just fizzle out or, or what was the what was the ending of it can you remember
0: Yeah, um, it just fizzled out. It was, uh, how can I say, we did it for about four years or so. Uh, Four, no, maybe about six years, I think. But I was probably with them for about four and a half. And um, maybe a bit longer. I don't know. It's all muzzy. But uh, yeah, I think, um, I I don't know. We just decided one day, shall we knock it on the head, you know? And we just made a final broadcast then and there.
2: Yeah, it, it, that's sort of the way that my one ended as well. It, it just got to the stage where you think, yeah, maybe this is enough now. <laughs> and, uh, and 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 I don't think people, people who weren't involved don't realise how much work there was involved in putting out a three or four-hour broadcast on a Sunday and the
0: amount of work. Well, there was. We were there every Sunday, rain, hail, snow.
2: But there's also the pre-recording of the programmes and sorting out letters and and stuff where did you where did you get all the records from what was was there a specific shop that you used to use or personal collections or what uh well, m-
0: mostly personal collections uh, because we were djs then in our own right you see doing clubs and things yeah yeah so we had our own collections and that and uh you know we got a few freebies as well you know record companies were sending us stuff here and there and
2: oh, always nice when you get that drop through your door
0: yeah it was nice yeah yeah um uh, Well, they were quite uh, free in those days, but uh, trying to get stuff out of them now is blood out of a stone, you know.
2: We'll get on to what you're doing now in a minute.
0: But there was also uh, built a transmitter for someone else as well. Uh, well, this guy, uh, Keith Allen, you know, the um, the comedian, he asked me to build him a transmitter uh, for a station he, he called Breakfast Pirate Radio. So I built him one as well. And uh, he, I think he only had about three broadcasts, but he was broadcasting from this church in Islington. It, the transmitter in the back garden and the wire going up to the steeple.
2: I, I, there was always a lot of debate about if, if that ever actually broadcast. Oh no,
0: broadcast! Oh no,
2: no broadcast!
0: Yeah, oh, it definitely did broadcast. Oh yeah, yeah, but I, I think only about three or four.
2: Oh right, okay. Well, that that sort of answered a lot of people's questions about breakfast pirate radio because there was also a lot of talk about he was he talked about it a lot, but never actually did anything. And now you said, oh, no, actually broadcast. Well, that that's answered the question for quite a few people, I think.
0: Yeah, no, I was living on Finchley Road at the time and I was picking it up there, yeah. Well, he had. I think this the steeple thing, he had a good setup there, you know.
2: I would imagine so, yeah. It was almost a vertical area, I should imagine, which which always helps, <laughs> uh, certainly on medium wave.
0: But so, I don't know what happened. I, I don't know what the reasoning was behind it or why he wanted to do it or what. But anyway, he did do it, but it was, it was very good extremely satirical
2: yeah was it a publicity stunt do you think for him it
0: could be although i don't think he um he put his name about i don't recall him using his right name on it
2: yeah for anybody who doesn't know who who he is uh, he's lily allen's father <laughs> he was he's an actor he's done quite a lot of stuff but he was he was probably best known for being lily allen's dad i think there were really interesting broadcasts i mean it was quite satirical you know Again, I never heard it because the rumours were it never did anything. But as you say, you heard it in Finchley, so obviously it did. Um, but, I, 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 you know, it's nice to sort of put that to rest now for people because all the things I've read as did it ever happen or not, or was it just a publicity stunt?
0: Well, I think it was just sh- so short-lived, you know, un- unless you're in that little gap the three weeks when it was on –
2: yeah, yeah. And you knew it was coming on because you built the transmitter. And my next question, did he ever pay you for the transmitter? Oh, yeah, yeah. Everyone paid, yeah, yeah. yeah I thought they might have done <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, you wouldn't get the
0: rig if you didn't pay, yeah.
2: Oh, I see. Money up front, please. Well, not
0: so much up front, but, you know, cash on delivery sort of thing, you know. Because it took a lot of work to do it, you know.
2: I think I probably owe a few pounds to a few transmitter builders even to this day. But anyway, we won't go down that road. <laughs> so... um. So what was your last sort of foray into pirate radio then? Where, when, did, when did all that come to an end, do you think? Uh, well, I don't know. I was on
0: the fringes of our radio.
2: Okay, yeah. I don't know much about our radio. Tell me a little bit more about that.
0: Well, our radio was a total, um, well, I don't know. If, I was going to say political, but at the same time, they were total anarchists. So I don't know if the two words go together or not.
2: Yes, political, non-political, political people. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they were a crazy outfit as well.
2: Okay, whereabouts were they, were they based?
0: Uh, well, they were based on uh, the Finchley Road, Swiss Cottage. But I think, where were they broadcasting from? I think they broadcast from Kilburn.
2: Okay, was that an FM or an AM thing?
0: FM. I think I did build them an AM. Yeah, I did build them an AM rig, actually, as it happens. Yeah. I don't know what happened. to that. I think they had one or two transmissions. But they didn't last long because of their, you know, political content. But they used to share the rig with DBC as well. Well, our radio, had, see, had the, they had this policy of anyone that wants to use, the, borrow the rig, they're welcome to.
2: So they, they felt they had a principle which they were trying to uh, help other people with.
0: As long as they were doing it in a sort of, how can I say, yeah. Uh, Something constructive like DBC or a political thing or something like that, you know.
2: So was that the last your last foray into radio was our radio?
0: Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, I think so. I can't remember now. Well, there was uh, Radio Memphis that started up. Okay, god, these are these are ones I've never heard of. Please tell me about Radio Memphis. Okay, well, when Radio City shut down, uh, this guy Memphis Mick, he um, from uh, Kilburn, he wanted to take over from Radio City. Uh, so, anyway, yeah, I built him a, a rig as well. I just remembered now, yeah.
2: There's a lot of transmissions you built which you don't remember building until you remember building them.
0: <laughs> I know, yeah. Uh, so, anyway, yeah, he wanted to take over from Radio City doing 50s rock and roll, and he called it uh, Radio Memphis. He was doing it from his backyard in Kilburn. Uh, but, again, he didn't have a good aerial setup. I, th- I think, I think uh, you know, one day they were, like, celebrating because they, they managed to get to Cricklewood which was a mile down the road, you know. <laughs> but uh, but then again, I don't know, Pe- people did mention it. So it must have got out somewhere.
2: Yeah. I, do you know, I think I've heard the name, but I, I I don't know a great deal about it, to be honest, but I think I've heard the name, so.
0: Yeah, but by this time, you see, because I was in that area, Cricklewood, um, you know, Finchley Road. I was living there, you see, at the time. And then um, I moved to uh, to sort of, uh, where was I living? Down near the city, Angel Islington. Yes, I couldn't pick up Memphis from there at all, you know. So I don't really know what happened to them after that. I don't mean they ever got raided. I don't think so. I don't know. So I suppose there's all these rigs still around in people's cupboards, I think.
2: Well, again, I had a conversation with, with one of my former colleagues from the radio station I used to run the other day, and he, 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 I have interviewed him for this. And I said, I don't know what ever happened to the last transmitter I had either. So And it was a mains rig. So I really honestly, because we used to run from a house at the end, and I don't know what happened to it. It might be still around my friend's house, for all I know.
0: Well, I think Choppy's uh, still got the Radio City transmitter.
2: Well, that's that's a museum piece now, surely. Uh, yeah, yeah.
0: Well, I don't know you say that, but it probably looks the same as if someone was to build one today, I think.
2: Yes, I know. But it's a legendary transmitter from Radio City. That's what I mean.
0: Yes, it was. Yes, 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 yes. It, yes, it was good. Uh, but um, uh, yeah, that was Choppy. I mean, you should track him down, really. I'll try and track him down for you because he was the founder of Radio City.
2: Yeah, I'd love to speak to him. That would be really good to know, know all about that.
0: So uh, I don't know how how he got the idea. I think he just picked – I think Floss helped him or something. and
2: Yeah, Floss were around, I think, before City, weren't they? And they were on for quite a while, rock, sort of a rock station, weren't they, up that way?
0: Yeah, I mean, they, they helped quite a lot with uh, sort of technical advice and things. And I
2: think there was also a station up that way called Celebration Radio as well.
0: Could be. Rings a bell, yeah. I can't place it, Yeah
2: either the Floss guys help them or they help the Floss guys, something like that. Um, it worked. I couldn't really hear Floss fantastically. 222, I think they were on. And I couldn't hear them fantastically well over where I was in, in northeast London.
0: Yeah. Well, Radio City, we had that amazing site, you see.
2: Well, this is, this is one of the things I wanted to talk to you about. Again, you know, the stories you hear about Radio City. Same site for the entire time. You never moved, did you?
0: Oh, no, never moved, even after uh, they were raided. We are back next week on the very same site. You know, we used to leave the aerial up all week. We never took it down. And and and, and towards the end, they built some, um, on this public park that I mentioned earlier, on this L-shaped bit, they built some um, something, I don't know, something to do with... Um, I don't know, chemicals or something. It was a government thing. I think it was some sort of chemical warfare type sort of installation or something or testing station. So they built that there, but the aerial was still there over the building. So we still transmitted while they were there, the aerial was over the building.
2: Those stories just make me chuckle. Things like that, you know, the, the, the aerials were still there. They carried on building, and you were still broadcasting, and no one seemed to know what the other one was up to.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. It was.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, again, I was talking to someone the other day about the about things in, and some guys who ran a station called Radio Two Five Five, who I think had one of my old transmitters, uh, and they broadcast from what's now the Olympic Park in Stratford, but then it was just derelict land and there was loads of uh, electricity pylons, and they used to sling the aerial up onto an electricity pylon. Now, one, it sounds incredibly dangerous. He always assumed or always told me that the pylon wasn't used anymore, and he knew there wasn't any electricity going through it. I wouldn't have trusted that at all, to be honest. But um, but they existed, and they broadcast, and I mentioned them on the Facebook site, and someone said, yeah, I used to work with them. So, uh, you know, those sort of things, people were very – What's the word I'm looking for? Imaginative in the way they used to broadcast, I think.
0: Well, as I say, uh, with that um, breakfast pie radio, you know, going up to the steeple, I mean, the priest was all up for it. He come out, you know, give us a hand and all this,
2: you know. I think he was a bit of an anarchist, you know, or ex-anarchist. or Oh, my my son's a vicar now. He's got a great big church. Maybe I should speak to him about getting an aerial up on his church. Yeah, this was – well, it was a Christian church, but it was –
0: there was some weird denomination sort of thing, you know.
2: Cool. So City used the same place the whole time. Where was it? Was it Collindale, somewhere like that? In-
0: Collindale, yeah.
2: In North London. Yes. Uh, I mean, as I said, you hear stories about various stations in City. One, they never got raided because I read a thing that said that the the uh, that the that DTI were too scared to go there because of your reputation. Not yours personally, but the people at the station. And, and two, that you used the same site the whole time and never moved once. And just carried on. I've seen photographs. I think you put a photograph up of the Radio City site uh, and the transmitter and the car batteries.
0: Yeah, there wasn't many. I wish I'd taken more, actually, at the time, you know.
2: I think we all feel like that.
0: But, yeah, no, it was the same one. We had the rods, uh, the Earth rods in there permanently. They're still there now, probably.
2: Yeah, well, again, someone, one of my friends who lived up near where we used to broadcast from in Woodford uh, went to the site we used. This was quite a while ago still, but a good 15 years after we stopped broadcasting. And he said there were still copper rods banged into the ground there as well um, that we used to put the old crocodile clips on.
0: Yeah. Oh, actually, Bre- actually, Keith Allen turned up one day to the site because I think I think he got turfed out of that church eventually and, uh, and he was looking for a new site. So I said, well, Radio City's not going anymore. He can use their site. Uh, so he did and... Um, the aerial wasn't up then so we had to put a whole new aerial up and everything and he was broadcasting but um and he did get out but uh, choppy you know who the founder of radio city he picked it up on his um radio you know indoors you know across the stream and he went you know t- told him to f off you know because of the content he was you know although it was a public pu- although it was a public park you know you, you know could have stayed there you know so i don't know
2: Oh, right. Yeah. He didn't approve of what was going on. Yeah. I mean, this is stuff I've never heard before, to be honest. It's all gold. (laughs) So your last sort of involvement in Pirate Radio, there was the guys at, 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 uh, what was it called? Our Radio and things like that.
0: Our Radio. Yeah.
2: And then uh, I assume you just fell out of the whole thing for a while. And and were you still doing live stuff like uh, club nights and stuff like that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Still doing that. Yeah. Yeah. And you've been doing that the whole time since?
0: Well, on and off, on and off, you know. At the time, it was, you know, I was, I was I was quite active at the time. I mean, when Radio City was, was actually up and running and I was a DJ there, you know, I was DJing in clubs maybe three times a week. And
2: was a lot of the people who used to go to these things, audiences of of Radio City as well?
0: Yeah, well, I used to promote it, you know. I used to use my right name on Radio City. So Really? Oh, yeah, I never bothered, you know. My DJ name was Luke the Duke and on Radio City it was Luke the Duke and you know, it's to say, I'll be DJing on Tuesday night there, you know, didn't bother me. Uh, the other DJs didn't use their right names. But uh, yeah, so I was doing that. Yeah, they, uh-
2: So, okay, so you did that and you carried on doing, uh, obviously, club nights and stuff. That brings us to now, basically. Now, I know that you, uh, that you still do a form of radio. Is that right?
0: Uh, yes, I do a show on uh, Rockin' 24-7 Radio, which is an int- internet-based radio station. So I do a one-hour show there once a week.
2: Yeah, and you put that on the internet. I know that because I always see the link for it because you and me are friends on Facebook.
0: That's it, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I do that. I've done uh, over 400 shows now, weekly shows.
2: And is it the same sort of thing you were doing on Radio City?
0: Yeah, more or less the same. Yeah, 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 exactly the same, really. Yeah, yeah.
2: So anybody out there who out there who's into their uh, into their rock and roll, their fifties rock and roll, if it's as good as the ones on radio, I've never listened to it. I'll be hands up in the air. Here. It's time mainly, but then I don't expect you've ever listened to any of my stuff, so that's fine. If you're into your fifties rock and roll, go and look look for that because if it's as good as it was on Radio City, it will be excellent. I promise you.
0: Well, uh, the rock and twenty four seven. It's a twenty four hour, seven day station. Uh, so I'm not the only DJ on there. I'm just one of many.
2: And that program that you do for them is that also available on its own as well? Oh yeah, mixed mix cloud. Yeah, yeah.
0: You put in Luke Luke Roots in the search bar.
2: Luke Roots.
0: Yeah, and they'll all come up there.
2: I will do that now.
0: Well, well, I call it a Roots uh,
2: rocking show. You see. That is fantastic. Really, really good. Is there anything that you've I've not asked you which you wanted to mention or talk about? Yeah, I mean, yeah,
0: Radio City. I'd, I'd say it was a fun thing to do. Well, well it was a bit of a chore actually. You know, towards the end, it was getting a bit of a chore, you know. But uh, you know, it was um, it was just a happy-go-lucky thing, you know. It was uh, it was just an extension of our musical taste, really. It wasn't uh, the same as DBC was, you know.
2: My personal feeling about it is Radio City is quite a significant station in the context of they were doing something completely different from what anybody else was doing there was no one else and it wasn't just the music it was the whole culture around it with the with the bikes and the people and the clothing and the shops and the and the club nights and it was like a, almost like a community radio station for a community of interest for the want of a better phrase
0: there was yeah we had no advertising
2: how did you finance it
0: then was it financed out your own pockets well it didn't need anything just a what fifty p electric to charge the batteries every week.
2: Yes, I suppose if you weren't if you weren't getting radio and you weren't losing transmitters, you didn't have to keep building them, did you? <laughs> was the, the studio his studio was was in the flat above, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah, maybe telling me.
0: Well, it was in the flat above, yeah. But then uh, uh, Jock, who had the flat above, he moved out, so we had to move it then. So so then it went downstairs to my place because I was living downstairs.
2: And do you miss it? Do you miss that pirate radio thing? Yeah, to an extent, yeah, I suppose
0: so, yeah. I miss it. But then again, you see, a lot of the listeners, a lot of the listeners wouldn't have known we were a pirate radio station. You know, they just tune in and, you know, there it was. You know, they wouldn't realize what, what we had to go through to do it. One day, one Easter, I think it was, in about, I don't know, it must have been... Well, after Radio City shut down, maybe a year after or something like that, we decided to do a live broadcast uh, one Sunday afternoon, just a one-off. And, uh, you know, when we had a phone number we were giving out then, you know, so people could uh, ring in, you know, because it was live. You know, you could have your request then and there sort of thing. And uh, it was stra- But it was the, v- the very same people that used to listen
2: like three years before when we shut down, ringing in. Had they been sitting listening to that frequency every single Sunday, do you think, since? Well, it, it seems to be the case, yeah. They they had it locked on just in case we came back. Because <laughs> it was the same people ring. <laughs> I, love, I love the thought of people there sitting with their radios going, right, let's see if Radio City's on today. No, not today. I think I think that's what it was.
0: <laughs>
2: well, Luke, it's been... A pleasure talking to you. A real pleasure. You're somebody I really, I really wanted to get onto the onto the podcast because to me you're quite a big character of the whole thing. And, and when I found out about you involved in DBC right at the very beginning and, and so on, I thought he's bound to have the occasional story. Thank you ever so much for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. I hope to speak to you again sometime soon.
0: Yeah, well, thanks loads. Yeah, it's been a pleasure.
2: Thank you, Luke, for talking to us. If you enjoyed the podcast, please don't forget to follow, like and subscribe or even leave a review. And why not tell your friends about us? If you want to get in touch with us, email us at piratepod7080 at gmail.com. Thanks to the thepiratearchive.net and amfm.org.uk for their help. I'll be back with another new episode on the 5th of October, where I'll be chatting with another pirate of the 1970s and 1980s.
1: Radio Nova broadcasting on 14.04 kHz of the medium-weight band, 212 metres. Unfortunately, we've had to suspend your regular broadcasting. This is due to the post office requiring to test and inspect our equipment. We'll return you to normal broadcasting just as soon as we can. This
2: is a 1386 audio production.